How are you guys doing today? Good, man. I guess I'm up, huh? Yeah, I love you all. Hey, can we, uh, can we just get like a little bit of an of a invite that we got going on? We do this at Celebrate Recovery every Wednesday night. And so we, we shout welcome to Celebrate Recovery and then they say the best place to be on Wednesday night. But I'm gonna say welcome to North Point Church and I want you all to shout back at me the best place to be on Sunday morning. Can we do that? Yeah. All right, I need you guys to be really loud. Online, be loud. If you're a Kerman, be loud. Welcome to North Point Church. Yeah. Place to be on Sunday morning. That's what I'm talking about. I love you guys. All right, hey, I am so glad to be sharing the message with you all and, and to be here. And it is just an honor to sit here and, and to be a church family with you guys. I have just experienced so much life change here at North Point. Jesus has totally changed my life for the better, man, and my family and everything that's to come. So I am very grateful to be here. I get to share the message with you guys and we're gonna be talking about being a witness in the workplace, right? What does Jesus have to say about being a city on a hill? And whether you're working, uh, whether you're at school, whether it's you're, you're at home and you're leading your family, if you guys, man, can you think about, we spend more time at work than we do probably at home, or we spend more time at school than we do at home. Do you guys ever think about that? Yeah, it's like, man, I'm here often. Most times I'm at home and I'm, I'm there to hang out, watch TV, eat supper, be with the family, do devotionals and you know, just be crazy and then it's bedtime. But the bulk of our life is spent outside of our house. And so Jesus has so much to say about us being a witness for this world because we come here on Sunday mornings and we are called to take in something and then we take it outside of this. And, and if all we're doing is coming here and receiving and then we're not taking it back out there, then friends, we're missing the mark and Jesus has so much for us. Because when I was at my prior job, I worked at a labeling company for about 11 years, I had so many opportunities to share the love of Christ with people and they didn't even really realize it. They got to see this version of Will when I was an active addict. They got to see this version of Will when I was like, getting clean, trying to figure my life out. They got this version of Will when I was trying to follow Jesus. So they got to see every side of me, but you know what? Who knows if those men, there was one gal too, who knows if they were to ever walk into church, but I had so many opportunities to invite them to come to church and I didn't have the right words. I just had conversations with them and then eventually I was like, hey, would you ever be interested in coming to church with me? Right, and so this is what we're gonna get to is we're gonna be able to get to that point and realize that God has called us to be a city on a hill. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, it's in your guys' notes if you wanna pull them out. Jesus talking here, he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you underline the first part, it says you are the light of the world, right? Underline that. You are the light of the world. This was Jesus's ministry for us. He was the light of the world for you and I. And so now he is calling you and I to go and be a light unto the world as well, right? A city on a hill. We're like a candle in here and, and it gets lit. But friends, if we take that candle and we put a cover on it when we walk outside of these doors, then what good is its purpose anymore? What are we doing? We are called to take that light and put it out and be a city on a hill so that people would see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. This is our anchor, this is who we're called to be. And if you're like, I can't do that, I have too much in my past that I've done wrong, or, or people really, they've seen this will at work, or they've seen this so-and-so, insert your name at, at, at my job, at home, and my family, my friends. Man, 
God can redeem that situation and you can actually be a light. So don't, don't discount yourself, don't tune yourself out. If you're like, I've been this way for so long at work. I've been this way for so long with my friends and family. You can always change. That's what we talk about at Celebrate Recovery every Wednesday night. There are so many opportunities for people who come in hurting and they leave change and they get to go out and be a city on a hill. It's the same way for us, same exact thing for us. So I was talking about, I worked at a labeling company for about 11 years prior to coming over here to North Point. And I, I had a couple colleagues, one of them in particular was right near the end Uh, probably the last five years of my career uh, at the labeling company. And when he came in, I got to show him everything. I got to train him. Uh, I got to teach him how to run these big, you know, they're called flexographic presses. I got to show him all this stuff. This is how you load the plates, the ink, all this stuff, the ins and the outs. So him and I were working together, shoulder and shoulder for a really long time. You know, you start taking lunches with this person, you take breaks with this person because your whole life is built around at work being here to shape this person. Well, him and I got really close and I got to share with him that I loved Christ. But at the same time, he also saw my shortcomings and they were pretty, pretty evident. And there were a few times where him and I would just butt heads. You guys ever, anybody ever butt heads with somebody at work? Everybody's like, yeah. Chances are people butt heads with us too. It's not just them, right? It's not just them. Most times it's us because we just get, we're pretty crazy as humans. But this is what happened is that we, we, we started to do this and I didn't know why. And, and we talk about, I'm gonna mention a lot about Celebrate Recovery, uh, not as like this innuendo, but also as an innuendo. Um, but I'm a codependent. And does anybody know what codependency means? I, I'm a people pleaser, right? And I wanna try and always keep the peace everywhere I go. And so I would struggle with inner turmoil to the point to where I'm like, what's the matter? What can I do to fix this situation? And if I couldn't fix it, I struggle with anger as well. I would get angry. And in, instead of being hurt, I would act tough. Anybody ever act tough? At the, you know, you're clocking in at work. You're like, hey, good morning, bro. And they're doing the same thing. You're like, oh, I'll show you, all right? You'll, you'll, you'll see, all right? But I had this, this area where, man, I struggled. And so then I was humbled and I had this moment where I realized that I get to show this guy who Jesus is. And even though I messed up, I know that I can live in such a way because he didn't want to hear my words anymore, right? He was, he was probably a little critical of me, rightfully so. But then I had this opportunity where, where not so much my words, but in how I lived day to day, how I showed grace day to day with this individual was my witness where I could be a city on a hill, which brings us to our first fill in. How I conduct myself in the workplace is an offering to Jesus. How I conduct myself in the workplace is an offering to Jesus. We try, we try and be very practical to give you guys tools. We try and be practical so that you would walk out and say, I can do this. This doesn't seem like it's over my head or above my pay grade because that's the idea is that Jesus has called us to practically live in such a way, right? How we conduct ourselves is an offering to Jesus. Philippians 1.27, the apostle Paul here was talking to the church in Philippi. He said, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And I love how he says, above all, you must. You notice for, for us who follow Christ, it, it, there isn't really a wiggle way out of that. He says, above all, you must. There isn't an option there. That's a mandate that Jesus has given us. We must live as citizens of heaven, right? We don't have the option to, to, be, a, to be a candle, to be a city on a hill and then choose to, to put it away. Like we, we can, but God has called us to live in such a way, right? manner worthy of the good news about Christ. How? 
and the way that you act, the way that you act outwardly. It's so simple. We, we say, I don't have the words to say. I don't have the right things to say. I don't have the right eloquent speech. I don't know all of the verses in the Bible. I don't have all of the good songs that I could send to people. That's okay. God hasn't called you to like have everything, every T crossed and every I dotted. He's just called you to live in such a way that you offer yourself to Jesus by how you act towards others and people will see that. And that's how they see your good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Right, so the way that we conduct ourselves is an offering to Jesus. And so that's the simple truth. Man, we can be kind even when others are not kind to us, even when it grates up against our pride, uh, even when it grates up against who we are and we feel wronged and those types of things. Philippians 1, 29, a couple verses later, same, the Apostle Paul was saying, you've been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And when I first came to God, I, I really just wanted God to take all of my problems away. That was it. I just wanted him to stop the bleeding. And that was okay, because he did. He met me where I was at, in the middle of my mess, and he helped me. He loved me, forgave me, redeemed me, and he reminded me of the truth. But as I started following him more and more, all of a sudden this scripture talking about suffering for him, how many of us are like, I don't know about the suffering part, like I love the trusting in him part, but the suffering part, I don't really know. What's that look like? For us, that looks like in our Western culture, it is so easy to be offended. And as soon as we get offended, we cancel you, we walk out the door, and we want nothing to do with you because you do not agree with us. When Jesus has called us to stay in those situations. Friends, there were so many times I built a resume. I submitted the resume to FedEx. I wanted to work at a bank, I wanted to leave, I wanted to do anything I could to get out of that situation with that person. But you know what? Thank God that none of those phone calls came back. Thank God that even if there was an email that came back, it said, you can't do this because you've only been doing this one trade for so long, you don't have any expertise in any other area. I was called to stay there. I didn't know that this was on the other side of it. All I knew was that I was gonna work at this place and I was like, well, okay, I gotta be here until I retire, buy a home, you know, take care of my family, all these types of normal things. When Jesus was calling me to stay there, right, to suffer for his sake, right, even though things were inconvenient, to suffer for the gospel means, hey, for us as North Point Church, sometimes it could look like we're not ducking out at the earliest inconvenience because you know what? When it came time for me to come over here, I had to pick a production supervisor to replace my job, right? I had to find someone to replace my role and he was the guy. He was absolutely 100% the guy. He, had, he, he knew all of how to work on the machinery, he was smart, he was talented, he could talk to people, all of these different types of things. And guess what? I got to talk to him again. We got to rekindle that friendship and I got to impart certain things that I learned here at church, not so much in my words this time but in how I just treated him. And you know what, there were times where I got to pray for him, there were times that I got to love on him, and him and I, we built a relationship, and now we're cool to this day. He hasn't come to church, but I'm doing my part, where I get to be a city on the hill. This is what it means to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Brings us to our next feeling is remembering that God forgave me through Christ Jesus, keeps my heart compassionate towards others. That's your feeling, compassionate towards others. You know, it's so easy when we feel slighted to wanna to just turn the cold shoulder. How many can relate that it's really, really easy 
to see the wrong in everybody else and what they're doing. It's really easy. Man, like I could, I could make a laundry list of everything that someone has done wrong to me, but if you ask me what I've done to them, I'm like, man, I've been good. <laughs> like I was taking good care of this guy, right? Like you, you, you didn't know what was going on inside of my head. I didn't do that, right? I've been good. We are so quick to turn the other way and to just make a laundry list of all the wrongs that that person has done. And we need to get a mirror and look inwardly at ourselves and say, man, Jesus, you forgave the worst in me. When I was this way, when I was offensive towards you, when I was insolent, when I didn't want anything to do with anybody who wanted to offer me help, you met me. When I turned you away each and every time you met me. Friends, there were, there were times when I was in my addiction and, and the high was coming on and I remember thinking to myself, if I die right now, I don't think I'm right with God. And that was the only time I thought of Jesus and I said, I don't know what's going on, but I hope I'm okay with you, God. And then as soon as that feeling went away and I wasn't worried or nervous about that anymore of overdosing, I just go right back into my stuff. And Jesus forgave the worst of me inside of that. When I turned my back on people, when they needed my help, Jesus forgave the worst of me in that. And so we need to remember the same thing. When we see those people who we would rather write off, those people who we would rather cancel, Jesus has forgiven the worst inside of us, and that should make our heart compassionate towards him. I know that it's difficult. I myself struggle with that. I could still struggle with that. I'm still human. I could still suck at doing this. Pastor Steve said it a while ago. He said, anybody ever hit the suck button? And I was like, yeah, I love that. Because sometimes I'm like, boom, 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 you know? It's like the staples button. That was easy. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for you and I. That should, that should sink into us. When we were utterly helpless, at our very worst. I love in, uh, in recovery, we talk a lot about uh, this sinful nature, uh, and AA talks about this too. They, they say our disease is chronic, progressive, and fatal, right? Like there is, there is no cure for it. It's chronic, progressive, and fatal. And I thought, that's a lot like our sinful nature, right? There is no stopping it outside of having Jesus Christ in our life. There is no stopping it. It is chronic, it is progressive, and it is fatal, and its end result is the grave. Make no mistake about it. You can't dance with your sin and get away with it. We cannot. I've tried it. I'm sure everybody here has tried it. I'm sure everybody online has tried it as well. Right? It's chronic, progressive, and fatal, and it's only when we place our faith in Jesus and we humble ourselves under him and we say, okay, God, I, I wanna be what you want me to be. That's when we get to have that compassion fill our hearts. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace, which is God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this, what it is, is salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God, for it is by grace through faith. That should humble you and I. We couldn't earn our way into heaven. We couldn't have a good enough reputation to be made right with God. There's no way that we could live up to God's righteous standards. It is only by grace through our faith in Jesus Christ that we are made right. And when we realize that, when we don't really have a foot to stand on and it's only by God that we can be here, that should humble us when we look at our peers around us, shouldn't that? But it's so hard to look inward. And friends, if you don't have a quiet time, a daily, 
a place where you can be with God and, and get into the scriptures and, and maybe listen to a worship song or two or maybe talk to, to a spiritual, uh, someone, a spiritual big brother or sister to help you along the way, man, it's really, really hard to look inward because we get so focused. It's our natural disposition as sinful humans is to look at what everybody else is doing. One of my brothers, he's, he always says, when I wake up in the morning, I thank God that he woke me up. I thank God that I'm here, that I'm alive, because I don't deserve it. And I'm like, man, that, that's a prayer that I need to start praying every single day. As soon as I wake up, I don't deserve this breath that you gave me, God, but thank you. Help me live in such a way that I remember that. But what if, what if we still feel something inside? How many times I have, uh, I have heard this? How many times I have walked out of here and I'm like, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna do different now. I'm gonna do better. I've got this. Anybody ever said that? I've got this. All my celebrate recovery people are like, yeah, I've got this one right here. I don't need anybody's help. I'm gonna go all by myself. We walk out, we, we go to work, right? I've, I've done this literally at North Point is where I come here and I'm like, man, that was motivating. I needed that, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't tell anybody about what happened or I don't hold myself accountable to another brother. And then I go to work and I clock in and I put my time card in and I see that person. I'm like, oh, oh, all right then. All right, all of a sudden, it's gone. Even though I've heard it, man, it didn't, I didn't wanna let it stick. That was my problem. I did not want to let it stick. So, so many times I've come in here and I've heard things and I don't hold myself accountable to someone else and I walk out the doors and I still struggle with something inwardly. Which brings us to our next feeling is, what if I still feel critical? What if I still feel critical? It's a very normal emotion for us. And I don't think a lot of us want to admit that, myself included. What if I still feel critical even though I've heard it? Anybody ever been there before? What if I still feel critical? Sometimes I could be like, I am the king of petty. Like for real, petty LaBelle is Will, right? That's who I am. Seriously, I'm like, gosh, I should know better. What if I still feel critical though inside? How do I begin to remedy that feeling inside because it's like, even though I want to do it, I still feel this way inside. And to acknowledge that is the first step. To acknowledge that we feel that criticalness is normal. But there's an antidote to that. Jesus has given us truth in his scripture. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. I love the NLT translation and I underlined it. I put keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That, you notice, Jesus said, keep on. The key is persistence, right? This life that we live as followers of Christ, it's not marked by the perfection in how we measure up. It is marked by our endurance to get back up and come to God and say, will you help me again? Will you help me again? I'm calling on your name, Jesus, just like we got done singing. The question begs to you and to I, do we really want God's help? Or are we more consumed in getting right with those people? Right? Scripture says that, that, that we need to leave room for God's wrath, that vengeance is his. And so often we take that upon ourselves and we're like, no, no, I've got you on this one, God. That's not the case. That is not the case. That's not how we're supposed to do that, right? So do you really want God's help? Think about that person. You could write that person's name down if it's the person next to you, do like, you know, back in the day where you would like cover your hand. You're like, I don't want them to see that. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh no, I can't see that. 
But who is that person? What, what is that, that feeling that you're struggling with that you just can't let go of and you're working on? Remember Matthew 7, 7, persistence in prayer. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. A good friend of mine, uh, he, he recently retired and, and he asked me, he said, hey, well, I got a bunch of books. Do you want them? And I was like, sure, I guess. I don't have any books. I would love books. Yeah, like whatever, I need to read anyways. So he's like, all right, I'll bring them to you on a Wednesday night. And I was like, cool, thanks. So one week he brought me like four trash bags full of books and then a couple more. And then the next Wednesday he brought me some more. And then I had this big old collection. I was like, I don't know what to do with this yet. Like, what do I, like, so I have books, like my wife has a piano in our den. So there's books on there. There's books in our, in our towel closet. There's books in there too. It's like, you know, in our bathroom, there's a little spot and it's like, those are all just books. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on with all these books. So I decided to start picking them out and reading them. And one of them was really, really helpful. I like to start at the small ones. Anybody ever like to start at the small books? You're like, yeah, I'm gonna start right there. I need me a small chapter. Give me like five or six pages. And I'm like, I need that because it whoop, whoop, goes out the ear, right? Some I'm asking God to help me with. But it was a book called Fresh Eyes on Jesus. It was talking about the miracles uh, that Jesus, uh, that he did throughout the gospel accounts. And the author was Doug Newton. But something that he said was really, really helpful. It's in your guys' handout. It says, whatever needs to be transformed, take it to Jesus in prayer. And do not stop until you experience an incredible transformation, either in your world or in how you see it. Either in your world or in how you see it. You know, I begged God to give me a different job. I begged God, would you just give me a different job? I can't stand this dude anymore. He didn't change my situation but he changed the way that I, that I saw it, my eyes, right? It's like I couldn't see and I was looking like this and I just couldn't see the truth for what it was at all. And then God was like, here, bro, put these on, right? Let me show you how to love. Let me remind you of how loved you are. Let me remind you that you don't have to have the right words, but the way that you display yourself is enough and that will move. You be you, let me be God. But so many times I asked God to change my geographical location. And if that's the case, then I have just watered God down to a genie in a bottle. Would you change my situation, Lord? Would you put me in a new place, right? Because that was what I did in my addiction is I was like quick to run. I was quick to wanna leave. I was quick to wanna change environments because it didn't suit me when God was calling me to stay. And praise God that he changed the way that I saw this situation. For me, it, it, it looked like going through celebrate recovery and working an honest program is what we talk about. I was free from my addiction at that point already. I needed help in how to be a good human. I needed help in how to be a good supervisor. I needed help in how to be a good brother, a good husband, a good dad. It was because of that program that I found that help and I realized that, man, God may not change my situation, but it'll change the way that I see it. So whatever needs to be transformed, take it to God in prayer, persistence in prayer. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. In Romans 12 too, the apostle Paul, he's talking to us. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You notice that the apostle Paul, pretty sure this was some years ago from 2022, when this book was written. He was saying, don't ask God to change your, your area, your geographical location. Let him change the way that you think. 
That's, that's the inward work that we get to hang on to. That's the business that you and I get to do with God. Would you help me in the way that I think, Lord? Would you help me not be critical because I wanna be? Would you help change the way I think? Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Jump on social media for like two seconds, bro. You will literally be like, oh, yep, I see exactly what the customs are. Don't like you, done. Don't like you, done. Don't like you, done. Don't like you, done. And God has called us to stay and be a city on a hill like Matthew 5 was talking about. God has called us to stay and be a city on a hill. How do you ask God to change the way you think? Prayer. Very simple. There is no crazy formula that we have to have in order to be right with God and to ask him for his help. He wants to give it to us. So many times we don't do it though. So let's talk three practical steps to being a witness for Jesus and then we'll be on our way. Let's talk three practical steps to being a witness for Jesus. The first one, take the initiative. Take the initiative. Easier said than done. It's easier right now, right? Really easy right now amongst a body of believers. You're like, yeah, I could do that. And then you go out into your respective corner and you're like, oh man, this is not easy anymore. This is where our faith gets put to the test. This is where we get to represent Jesus well in our areas. Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets. I believe that's Luke 6, 31 as well. It's the golden rule. We teach our kids this. Rose, go and, and, and be a light, right? Be kind to others. Treat them the way that you want to be treated. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Change the word neighbor, put it into your coworker, your parent, your sister, your brother, whoever it may be, the person at school, the principal, your teacher, I don't care who it is, insert that. Love them as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Where it says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Right, underline that because it's like, well, I'm saved, right? Like, I, I love Jesus, I've given my life to him, but yet I still struggle with this sinful condition inside. One of my brothers calls these knee-jerk reactions. It's like a knee-jerk reaction. It's like, you poke me and I wanna do that, right? That's that knee-jerk reaction, but as we follow Christ more and more, that knee-jerk reaction becomes less and less and less. And it's like, you poke me? Yeah, that kind of hurt, you know what I mean? But I love you, I'm gonna keep showing up. I know that God has called me to be here for a very, very specific way. Be careful that you don't bite and devour each other because what you get, you're gonna get back. What you give, you're gonna get back. Him and I, we did this and guess what happened? Friction, it's like two magnets when you put them together and you're a kid and you're like, I'm gonna get them to mesh and they don't, right? That's what happens when you bite and devour each other. Watch out, you, you wonder why. I wondered why, right? Jesus has called us to a different type of living, to serve one another. Leadership looks like servanthood. Leadership looks like servanthood. Our next step is be obedient. It's not a feeling, it's a decision. Be obedient. It's not a feeling, it's a decision. It's a lot like love. It's a lot like when my wife Megan is like, bro, you are not easy to love, but I'm gonna love you anyways. You know what I mean? She's like, I've made a commitment to you. I'm like, yes, right? Be obedient. It's not a feeling, it's a decision. It means I still gotta work on myself. Right? But it's so hard. I'm gonna wait for that other person to, to do that first. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be a stalemate. I'm gonna dig my heels in. When we look at the scriptures, and if you're like, I've never opened a Bible and looked at it before, take these notes home and, and know that this is God's word in here. 
This is what we base our truth on. This is our absolute. It's on God's word. And if you're like, I don't know if he's called me to be obedient, look at the scriptures that we talked about. I guarantee you that you will find something. Ask God, would you open my eyes so that I can figure out what this looks like to be obedient to you? Philippians 2.13 says, God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. Isn't that just like almost one of the best thing verses you could read in the Bible? You're like, thank you, God, for your help. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Then you will be the pure and innocent children of God. You live among people who are crooked and evil, but you must not do anything they can say is wrong. Try to shine as lights among the people of the world. And you know, I I wanna do everything without grumbling or arguing to the best of my ability right now, going forward from this moment going on. But what about the times past where I've struggled? What about the times past where it says that I need to live in such a way where, where nobody can say that I've done anything that's wrong. It doesn't take very long for people to find my past. I don't know if you guys can relate that. It doesn't take too long to dig up Will's history. I got clean in Fresno. I lived in Fresno, born and raised in Fresno. I got a lot of people who probably still don't really care for me in Fresno, right? And I'm working on those relationships. Thank God for celebrate recovery, right? But like, I, I have this past. What about this guy that I, that I rubbed shoulders with, that I butted heads with? You know, one of the best ways that we can represent Jesus and be a city on a hill, as broken humans, we can say, you know what? That was wrong of me. I am sorry for the way that I acted. Those statements are going out of style. Nobody wants to say them anymore. I was wrong. I'm sorry I was wrong. That's, that's why I follow Jesus, because I'm a wreck, dude. Like, if you need someone to mess it up first, that's me. I got you. I'll be the first to show you how not to do it. But thank God that I have Jesus because I'm working on that. Just leave it at that. People are gonna be like, what? What's this guy's deal? He just owned up to his own stuff and took ownership for his junk? This is how we represent Jesus well. This is how we do it without grumbling or arguing. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking to the believers in Philippi about. God's working in you and as you do that, that gives room for the Holy Spirit to make you willing to obey him, to wanna love him, to wanna follow him and to wanna represent him well to everybody. Jesus talking in John 14, 26 says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told to you. Jesus has given the promise of the third representative of the Trinity here, the Holy Spirit. This is our help at the workplace. This is who we get. We get the helper, the advocate to be with us. We're not on this journey alone. We are not on this journey alone. My wife has said it really, really well. She says, man, if I don't have Jesus in my life, then all of this stuff is like watered down to behavior modification at best. I was like, dang, that's a word, bro. Like, that's a word. And that's the truth, but here it is, is that we have Jesus, the advocate, the helper, to be with us, to remind us, to teach us, and to show us everything. Uh, Joseph M. Scriven, I had to, I had to Google this guy. He, he's an Irish-born Canadian preacher. I don't, I don't have that much knowledge, I promise you. I had to really go and, and search him out. He was from the 1800s, but he wrote a poem to his mom that later became a hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard that. Uh, but I'm gonna read a couple lines of it. He says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The Holy Spirit has reminded us time and time again that we can go to him in prayer, asking him for help. Matthew 7, 7, keep on, keep on, keep on. But how often do we forfeit that? And we're like, I got this, God. I'll hang on to my bitterness. 
I don't wanna be a light right now. I wanna be agitated. I wanna be dark, right? How often do we forfeit our peace because we wanna hang on to all of these problems instead of letting them go and asking God for his help and coming around a church community? I've done that a lot. If I'm not careful, I can still do that and start hanging on to things and I wonder why I get all bitter and burnt out and snappy. Anybody ever feel that way before? You're like, man, I could bite this guy's neck off right now and I ain't even hungry, right? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. So remember that we can be obedient. Like it's not a feeling, it bypasses our feelings and it moves into a decision, a commitment that we make to say, God, would you help me? Would you remind me? Would you point out in me? Would you work inside of me? And that brings us to our last fill-in, bear fruit. Bear fruit in all that you do. Bear fruit. Galatians 5, through 26. Uh, the Apostle Paul was talking here. These words are connected to John 14, 26. Paul was talking about the Holy Spirit and the work that he begins to produce in our lives as we place our faith in him. He was referencing back to when Jesus was talking about this advocate in John 14, 26. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Anybody want some of that in their life? Man, I need that in my life because you know what? When I walk out these doors, my situations may not change, but Holy Spirit, if you work inside of me, Jesus, if you do the work inside of me, help me. I wanna humble myself before you. Guess what? Your situation may not change, but the way that you see it will, and I guarantee it. That is the promise. This is what we hang on to. This is what we bank on as we can navigate our way through life as a church community. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. It says, since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading. If you're like, I don't know what's next, I don't know how to bear fruit, follow the Spirit's leading. If you're like, I love Jesus and I wanna invite him into my life and I wanna walk with him and I wanna be a part of this North Point community church here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep coming back. I'm gonna figure out what the next step is. I'm gonna trust that as I know I'm following Jesus, there's gonna be fruit that begins evident to hang in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And guess what? I don't have to vocalize any of those things to those people that I struggle with. They see them. Right? Let God be God. All we need to do is follow him. Right? We just gotta let God be God. Even those tough situations. It gets back to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This is how you can be a city on a hill. When we follow Christ, the fruit begins to drop and it's evident in how we live. We conduct ourselves in a workplace as an offering to Jesus. At home, at play, at school, wherever you may be, the fruit begins to hang and it becomes evident. And guess what, people, they may not see anything, right? They may not hear you say anything, excuse me, but they're gonna see that change and they're gonna ask, you're gonna say, it's because of Jesus Christ that my life has been changed. And that's how they see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. This is how we live. This is how we can be a city on a hill. So the question I ask you is, do you wanna be well? Or do you wanna smack your lips in your sin and say, no, I've got this, and I wanna live a life that's agitated, in turmoil, and full of anguish? Jesus is calling us to something better. The question is, do you want to pick up? Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you, uh, man, that you are here with us and that you love us, you care for us just as we are, and you accept us just as we are. But thank you that, that we don't have to stay where we're at and that we can trust that as we place our life 
into your hands, God, that you can do the good work, that you can begin the good work that you started, and we can trust that you will carry it out into the day of completion when we stand before Jesus. God, would you help us along the way in our steps that we take, in the breaths that we breathe, uh, maybe not so much in the words that we use, but in the way that we live our lives. Would you help us be a city on a hill? Would you help us model the ministry that you gave to us, God, where you were the light of the world? And would you help us be a representation of that light? God, would you remind my church family, my brothers and sisters here on campus, uh, at Kerman online, uh, and, and the world beyond, that, that the darker that it gets, the brighter that we get to shine, Jesus. Would you remind us that, that this is not uh, a downhill fight for us? Would you remind us that the best is yet to come? Would you help us shine brighter? Would you let us be a community that we just don't stay here and keep our light here, but we take it out into the world, that we take it out into our community and we show what it is to be a healthy follower of Jesus so that people would see our good works and give glory to you who are in heaven, God. We love you and we pray these things in your name, amen.